Well, hello and welcome to Consumer Choice Radio, broadcasting across all over the internets and right there on your radio. If you're tuned into Saga 960 AM and the Coastal Carolina Network, I'm one half of your host, Yael Ososki. I'm back at the home studio feeling a bit more comfortable and I'm joined by my colleague, David Clement in Toronto. It's the uh, the start of warm weather. And David, I hope uh, you got to enjoy some of that there uh, over the weekend. Yeah, yeah, it's been uh, it's been beautiful. It's nice to be out there enjoying the backyard, barbecuing, mowing the lawn, all that fun stuff. All that fun stuff, mowing. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, we'll we'll get you one of these robots at some point that's got enough power to go over your uh, many acres of property. <laughs> Because uh, I think that'd be really interesting. Uh, but yeah, David, a couple of things have been happening. It's, uh, as always... It's a strange world out there. And uh, I did tune in to the Ron DeSantis presidential announcement mm-hmm. via Twitter space. And what so did you it, think? <laughs> you did? I was a bit... Uh, so I was not able to listen live... Uh, just because I first tuned in when it was supposed to launch. I put a notification in my calendar, as one does, as an astute uh, political follower, and wanted to be sure I was there and live in the moment. And uh, it was taking place on Twitter spaces, which is kind of interesting. It's a new concept. This is uh, sort of the sexiness of it all. It was supposed to be hosted by Elon Musk, but alas, because of a Twitter error, because he's got too many followers, every time they tried to start the space, because everybody automatically went there, it would crash. <laughs> so they had to move it over to uh, another one of the PayPal mafia, uh, David Sachs. Yeah. Uh, so he was hosting it on his account. And uh, yeah, it's just some of the... That's why you might see some of the headlines that came out about it. You know, the glitches, um, all this. Uh, I would say it was interesting. And Ron DeSantis had some good points and he had some bad points. I think he's uh, taking a lot from the Trump playbook, which is unfortunate. He did not focus as much on economics. So it seems as if when you compare him to uh, someone like Tim Scott, the uh, great senator from South Carolina, who's also entered the presidential race in the U.S., it seems as if um, Ron DeSantis is a bit more the culture warrior now. And I don't know if that's that's the way because it's different. In the beginning, because you always have to do the primary, right? And you got your primary audience, usually your more right-wing people, the base. Mm-hmm. You got to get them out. I would hope he would uh, sort of drift towards uh, non-culture war stuff were he to be nominated. But, yeah, I think he had some good points. There wasn't really anything super new that you haven't heard from DeSantis. He touted a lot of the stuff, uh, talked about Disney a good amount, talked about Florida. Um yeah, apparently the uh, head of the NAACP, remember they issued this travel warning? Okay. You saw that a couple days ago? I did not. So the NAACP uh, put out a travel advisory for the state of Florida because it is hostile to uh, black and brown Americans, it said. And uh, there's a lot of commentary about this. And uh, DeSantis just kind of put it down by saying, well, the head of the NAACP lives in West Palm Beach. So... Are they moving anytime soon, or? <laughs> I thought that was good. <laughs> Brutal. Yeah, it's um, it's sort of a Trumpism in the newest iteration. You know, there's a lot of great ideas and notions and governing style that made DeSantis interesting. Um, I think overall it was just a very novel 
uh, presidential thing. But right away, uh, Trump was over there. His team was over on the Twitters making fun of the feedback thing and making fun of the errors on Twitter and uh, trying to paint the portrait of you have Trump who can actually go in front of an audience and do his announcements. And, you know, DeSantis was uh, huddled in a corner on his iPhone. Uh, I don't know. There's uh, different ways to interpret it. We care more about the issues and the ideas here. Yeah. Um, I didn't really see too much. It was a lot on the border and other things and uh, some misinformation on um, central bank digital currencies and Bitcoin stuff. But, uh, you know, that's a whole other issue. Yeah. The thing is that that worries me is that if I go back to some of the more like engaging and entertaining presidential primaries where like they were going back and forth on different policies, I hope that the primary gets there. It's a super crowded field, which only benefits one person, and that's Trump, um, because it was the way he got in last time, and I worry that they're basically setting the table for that to happen again, um, unless at some point a bunch of people drop out and endorse somebody else like the Democrats did to stop Bernie. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I just don't care for all this culture war stuff. Most of it isn't policy, right? What's the president going to do about gender ideology for local school board like it's just it seems very empty um but like what i want to know is like what what does a uh, a desantis presidency actually look like what's he doing in the first hundred days what does he want to do about taxes or china or the other kind of inflation the major issues of the day like i don't i don't care about you waging a war on Target because they had gay pride um, shirts and stuff in the store. It's like, okay, enough of this. Yeah, and I think um, of all of the declared presidential candidates, I mean, the only one who's kind of weighted the culture war stuff pretty good um, has actually been RFK. <laughs> yeah, but We're that guy not is... going to uh, get involved in the culture wars. With the... Yeah. I won't do more of that, but um, <laughs> that's all. I don't want to talk about the culture war stuff, David, but the ideas uh, that you say matters. Um, I did like the idea uh, that Ron DeSantis brought up is that um, what is the new challenge is uh, the meshing of government and corporate power. And uh, he did, you know, use the framing of the Twitter files in mm-hmm. much the same way. And I wanted to, to dive a bit deeper into this issue. So I listened to the entire congressional hearing uh, about the FBI uh, whistleblowers. Um, These are about people who were working in the FBI around the time of the January 6th hearings Uh and investigations and all this kind of stuff. And we're just kind of pointing out some contradictory information and all these guys got demoted or fired or Uh have their security uh, clearance ripped away. Uh, It's really hard not to view this through any kind of partisan lens. Uh, this is just kind of the problem when you've got really big government, you've got really big agencies with a lot of people and stuff comes down from the top. Uh, it's all very frustrating. And I don't know, it's, it's funny that we have this converse situation in Canada where you have, um, depending on which side you're on, right? They're, they're saving, uh, you know, the, the constitutional monarchy that, you know, whatever they're saving Canada by leaking information. And on the other side, you know, we have to stop leaks, and it's, uh, yeah, crazy little inverse. Um, I, I love this kind of part about the uh, American-Canadian uh, duality. Yeah, yeah. 
And it's, uh, I mean, on the on the Canadian side, everyone is just waiting for whatever the next leak is, because the special rapporteurs uh, report basically concluded that they don't need a public inquiry into foreign interference, which, I mean, very, in my opinion, very difficult to seriously come to that conclusion, um, given what we know. Um, and now, Handong, the, the candidate who was alleged to um, have been advocating that the two Michaels not be released, David Johnston, the special rapporteur, um, has said that, uh, that 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 did not happen, that that was false. Not that the conversation didn't happen, but that he didn't say that. Um, but the problem is, is that there are just a lot of ethical questions about David Johnston as the special rapporteur. Um, that make it complicated, and then when he was pressed on it, basically saying, like, do you have a conflict of interest here? Um, he said, well, no, I asked my former Supreme Court friend, who's in all of those same, like, who has all of the ethical questions in terms of relationship with the Trudeau Foundation and Trudeau. He, he also hangs out at the lake house, I take it. It's just really, really bad optics. Like, I don't know. I mean, if there was a scenario where people were, like, questioning whether you could be impartial, and they're like, well, well, I asked David, and he said I was good. And it's like, well, maybe David has rose-colored glasses in regards to what he thinks about Yael. Maybe you should have gone to someone independently rather than uh, somebody who's a bud. Um, So Matt Gurney at The Line, uh, which is a very good substack, uh, said most of the commentary over... Our, what our special rapporteur is going to miss is the plain, simple truth he reveals. We are just totally, epically boned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Good use of the term. Yeah. Basically. I okay. mean, yeah, it's a, I don't know. So basically now, for anyone who's really following this, it's like, okay, what's the next leak? Because... Global News is going to be sued for defamation by Handong. We'll see what that... I mean, if if that actually happens and how it plays out, um, I'm still skeptical if, if Handong is actually going to sue for defamation um, because he wants, some, he wants a full retraction of what Global News reported. And the only thing that is in question in terms of being false is if he said delay the the release of the two Michaels. Everything else in the story, we know, well, it's confirmed by either him or other people. Um, And how do you, you know, how do you confirm a conversation, whether it was one-on-one or, you know, in a small clique of people, if the the other people are going to be the Chinese diplomats, you know, of course they're going to say whatever. Well, this is the thing, is that there's either a recording or a transcript of that conversation. And so, well, CSIS probably has that recording, but probably not legally obtained. <laughs> Fruit uh, of the poisonous tree. No, no, le- legally obtained. Legally, legally, oh, legally obtained. actually, okay. legally, well, yeah, obtained. It was it was done through formal channels, um, and the the, the the public safety or justice minister um, would have had to have signed off on it. Um, but yeah, so like that either exists um, or it doesn't. 
and if it exists, um, it's certainly good for the public to know. And I guess that would be what a what a court case unveils is is does that exist? Is it accessible? And does it exonerate Handong in terms of that portion of the uh, the question? Um, because you'd be in jail. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I know. Okay. Well, we'll see. And I yeah, we do uh, await more leaks. Um, you know, who knows? It'd be interesting to see the different. Uh, media outlets cover this and you know these are all the media outlets that are awash in cash they're at the same time lobbying the government to try to extract all kinds of money out of facebook uh trying to gain control over a lot of stuff at crtc there's a there's a lot of really crazy things that are happening on all sides a lot of lobbying uh, being done by many of these main news organizations and you know i don't know if new media so-called is up to the task I'd love to see a bit more of the uh, sort of up-and-coming media in Canada also have some of these leaks, too. Yeah. I don't know if that's happened, but, of course, they haven't cultivated these sources. And, no. Um, every CSIS guy who reaches out to a new person, you know, he's got the threat that his identity or their identities will be unveiled or leaked or who knows. But we like whistleblowers or we don't like whistleblowers. It depends on who's in charge, I guess. <laughs> That's what it seems like. <laughs> That's what it seems like. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's just going to be a lot that comes from this. We'll see what happens next. But I, it just does really feel like the walls are closing in on uh, on Trudeau still. The polling suggests that there's, there's a pretty significant gap between um, the conservatives and the liberals enough that the conservatives all things being equal would have at least a minority government at this point um and so we'll see what uh, what could be done from folks on the liberal side to uh to try and overcome that gap um yeah i don't know it's uh i i'm still it's one of those things where like i'm still shocked um that it's taken this long because there have been just so many scandals that in any other, like no British prime minister survives the SNC scandal and blackface and then continues to be leader and prime minister. And then you add in all the other scandals. Like nobody survives that. Um, Indeed. And uh, we'll see if we can survive uh, the next break here on Consumer Choice Radio. Uh, coming back here after this and uh, let's talk about, you know, what could break some of these patterns. We'll be right back. Consumer Choice Radio. And welcome back to Consumer Choice Radio. Dave, we were talking a little bit about uh, all the uh, political happenings um, north of the border, Canada, and, uh, you know, essentially how we kind of get in this mindset to where a lot of the stuff is happening. We can't believe it. It's unbelievable. And there are zero consequences. I think what it's going to take, you just need a hockey star to at some point just say, look, enough is enough. Get the Chiners out of Ottawa or whatever is going on in terms of spooks and spies and police stations and influence and let's just do a reset I, I think it'll take a hockey player or a Celine Dion I don't know but the time has got to come <laughs> I mean the only time that that's happened is when uh, when Carey Price um, the the goalie for the Montreal Canadiens came out against what the the firearms proposal was from the Liberals 
Um, and he's, he's a pretty reserved guy. He's a hunter himself, so I think it mattered to him. And most of the analysis is that that actually like did enough to get some pretty big amendments in um, on on the legislation that they were pushing forward. Um, yeah, I just don't see uh, I don't see a, a hockey player diving into foreign policy stuff. Not that there's that capture like the NBA. Uh, I don't think the NHL has that problem because there really isn't a market in China that they're like vying for um so i don't think you'd have like a houston rocket situation where he gets strong-armed into apologizing um but yeah uh, i wouldn't hold your breath on on a hockey player to come out and say something like that well dang maybe i'll just take a curling star who knows uh, <laughs> i'm sure well you know there could be a lot of curling uh, that does happen in china you know, i'm really sure about that yeah and uh you know some of the other stories that we uh tried to touch on a little bit last week. Um, we had talked about some of the uh, privacy negotiations going on uh, between the European Union and the United States. I think this is just interesting because it's about social media. Uh, essentially, if there's no deal, if there's nothing that's hammered out by some of these uh, public officials in the U.S. and the EU, uh, essentially there are a lot of these social media firms that are prepared to just like cut the wire and mm -hmm. not allow... Europeans to access, you know, American tech products anymore. And it's relevant to also in Canada where you've had, you know, various bills that kind of address this or trying to get, you know, news links paid for this kind of stuff. I just um, we're having this huge tech lash at the moment. And I don't know if what the right side is. Uh, if you're a consumer, you know, you're a bit overwhelmed by a lot of this stuff. And a lot of it is very wonky, political you know, people just want to go, they just want to go home at the end of the day and scroll through Instagram, send memes, um, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if they understand that there's all these, you know, political machinations that are happening that could upend that uh, pretty abruptly. Because we have to remember in Australia, nuts, uh, they got, they, you know, people logged into Facebook one day and because of this news bargaining bill, uh, they couldn't see any links anymore. There's no links. Yeah. And, you know, I, I like that about certain companies that take a stand and say, hey, look, if the, this bill's going to affect us, then we'll just cut it off. Like, we don't have to deal with it. <laughs> I like that. Uh, unfortunately, you know, sometimes it just has to come to that. And uh, I don't, I'm always hoping for good alternative media to pop up. I'm always hoping for good, innovative startup tech firms to address certain things. But, man, it doesn't look like a hot time for innovation. Maybe I'm wrong. David, or maybe I've, I've had my, my head buried a bit too long, but um, I think it's just the, well, the seasonal depression of uh, the American presidential election season that might also yeah. be getting to me. Yeah, it just, weigh, it just weighs on you because it's never-ending. <laughs> it's always... Well, in the end, you talk about running? nothing, right? In the, in the end, you talk about nothing. You talk about what this person said on that date and what, they, what the other person responded. It's like, okay, well, how has this changed my life in IOTA? Uh, well, it hasn't. Yeah. My taxes are still high. I'm still paying a lot to tank up my car. Uh, you know, a loaf of bread is 12 bucks now. <laughs> <laughs> so Europe, by the way, in Austria, we still have 10% inflation, by the way. No. That's terrible. Is that I, mostly I, energy? It is mostly energy, but it's crept over to food. Um, that's, I don't know exactly what happened there, but I think it's just a lot of inputs and stuff that the farms use and 
you know, do you want to hear an incres- incre- incredibly depressing statistic? Oh, this, uh, yeah, let's, let's do it. It's a strange world out there. I think for the, like the last six months, Canada has had a higher rate of food inflation than Russia. Whoa. <laughs> and where's the, uh, where's the parliamentary committee tracking, uh, the, the roots like, of this? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's like, okay. Um, uh, why like that? I mean, we shut out an entire country from the global economy for, in in many senses, and they have a lower rate of food inflation than we do. How on earth is that possible? Or how did we bugger this up so badly? Um, yeah, it's just wild. When I saw that, I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah, and um, I think uh, we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Or I, I don't know, remember if it was one of my private or public rants. Uh, but talking about some of the food delivery companies, uh, because mm-hmm. I, I have noticed and I, I do keep my receipts. And uh, I think that's one thing, good thing about having, you know, digital transactions um, that you kind of save. And I've been tracking sort of, you know, how much food delivery is cost. Um, and, you know, part of it is the companies, because a lot of them were funded by VCs and the delivery rates were very low, but now they've kind of been hiked up, but also the price of food. And we were doing a bit of a comparison just at home of uh, some of the food delivery services that we use for groceries and seeing the just the price change uh, just in the last seven months. I mean, some products going up 90 cents, you know, for a, a little tin of corn. You know, there's all yeah. kinds of like these small things, which, you know, when you tally them up at the end of the week, you know, it could end up being, an, uh, you know, $150 more. That impacts oh, a lot crazy. of people, right? Yeah, yeah. And and over the course of a year, I mean, the thing is, is that nobody's wages are increasing at that pace. So you're getting poorer by the day. Um, and when it comes to food, there are there are limited options in terms of what you can cut and change uh, in your purchasing decisions to accommodate for this. And so... And I read yeah, that I mean, it was the same... Um, so. We remember in, uh, I think it was like mid-2020, at that point we started talking about uh, supply chain backups and logistics because they had, you know, halted certain things and like no boat was hitting Chinese shores. <laughs> yeah. Not yet. Uh, no boat was hitting Chinese shores and weren't picking up materials. They were you know, late in delivery and it was impacting absolutely everything. And I uh, just read an article that this is also impacting uh, the jets that they're trying to get into Ukraine. Uh, from European countries, because the U.S. wants to, you know, push out their jets and sell them to the Europeans, and the Europeans then sell their jets to the Ukrainians, and there's all this training that's happening, but they can't source the parts for these jets. Uh, I thought, basically, we had unlimited money for military stuff, but um, you cannot (laughs) run away from the supply chains. Um, I don't know if this is improving in any way. I don't know if um, we're just going to have to go with Amazon Global and figure this out or you know we just get helicopters delivering stuff or we're just we sick the drones uh to deliver more stuff to our back doors because uh yeah things are getting piped up it's going to be summer and there's going to be a lot of strikes and terrible travel and ugh. well and then you got countries like france banning short flights short haul flights yeah anything yeah. under uh two and a half hours that you can do by train uh, and I, you know, I get I mean, it. That, that eliminates no, almost no flights. I get it that you want to do, <laughs> of course not. I get it that you want to, you know, 
virtue signal a little bit and just say, hey, look, we have a win. You know, that's politics. But you have to think about convenience of people's lives. And, you know, I have the situation of I'll be flying to Florida in a couple of months for the summer. And, you know, you could fly there or you could rent a car and drive for three hours. You know, these are the kind of like trade-offs that people have to make and one-way fees with a rental car. And a, there's a lot of this uh, that's not really priced in for a lot of ordinary people. And I just, I'm tired uh, of virtue signaling that impacts my life as a consumer, David. I don't know if well, I've talked about that. at the end that. of the day, well... <laughs> the last three years. At the, at the end of the day, there is a reason why these short-haul flights exist, right? If the alternatives were better, I mean, I'm, that that bearing in mind that flying is not the most uh, streamlined process these days in terms of going through security and all of that jazz. And so you have to, it's like no one's willing to ask the question, okay, why is someone going to take a short-haul flight when they could take a train that's relatively the same length of time. Well, it's like, well, that train doesn't exist. Or that train is frequently delayed. And if someone's traveling on business, they care about being on time and being wherever they need to go. Um, or rental cars cost you a small fortune. So, like, there are all sorts of reasons why people take these short flights. Um, and go through the hoopla of security and airports and all of that. And yet no one seems to be realizing that point. It's like, okay, make the alternatives better or let's alleviate uh, some of the rules that prevent these alternatives from being better. And then maybe we'll get some movement on, on consumer changes. Yeah, I know that... Um particularly for, you know, travelers across the European continent or in the U.S. or you know, even throughout Canada, just a lot of times it makes more sense to take that flight. And, you know, if you look at ticket prices and if your taxes are kept in check, which uh, is not the case in many other areas, um, it's fine. You know, for the trains, uh, I was actually a bit excited. I thought I'd be able to take a train from Miami to Orlando. We have a new, uh, it's a private train, by the way, private passenger rail. Uh, is something that we don't have much of in North America. Uh, but Brightline um, is a company, um, I believe it was acquired by Virgin Trains, so Richard Branson. And I thought their their line would be operational. I was very excited to take this new private train, you know, go Atlas Shrug style. Uh, but it, it doesn't start till September. Um, oh, boo. Yeah. So the, the rail that actually runs, the only private passenger rail line in the entire United States of America, runs between Miami and... Donald Trump's doorstep in West Palm Beach. <laughs> and that's not very far. No, and it's very strange that that's the only one, considering, I mean, I understand you have permitting, you have land, you have to acquire all the rights. I know there have been a number of companies. It's a really interesting one. I think it was called Texas Central. Uh, they were trying to do one from Dallas to Houston, which, you uh -huh. know, I don't know, there's like, what, 12 million people in those two cities and in between. And, like, they just could not get the permits. They couldn't get the land. A lot of negotiations. You had lawsuits. I mean, we can't, obviously, well, we can't do an oil if, pipeline. So how are we going to try to get a train so rail? Here's, yeah, but, and this is the thing is that, like, if you look at other places where that kind of works, it's because the trains are fast and they're faster than driving. 
like I went from Florence to the airport in Rome. And I don't know, I think it was like two and a half hours. It's like approximately the distance from Toronto to Montreal. So like a five and a half hour drive. So unless you had to drive or you needed your car at the other end, very few people are going to make that decision to drive because the alternative is actually good. But I mean, in the Canadian context, I wouldn't recommend taking a train anywhere other than the GO train downtown <laughs> Toronto. Um, you take a VIA, like the VIA it, from Toronto to Ottawa is slower than driving with stops. And so um, you understand why people then opt to fly. And yeah, it's just... Ugh. Drives me nuts. Well, it, I'm yeah. not anti-train. I just, if we're going to go that route or you want people to make that switch, it has to be fast and it has to be consistent and it has to be good. Uh, but that just does not exist in North America. I'll not tell you, like I'll tell you what exists or... in Europe is um, there's a big uh, F cars movement. Uh, this okay. is like, I, I thought it was just like a joke and a couple things I saw on Twitter until I saw the graffiti. <laughs> I started seeing graffiti everywhere. F cars. Uh, so there's a lot of people who are uh, very upset that we have vehicles uh, transporting people. And I already talked about my experience. Um, actually, I don't know if I did. I talk about the uh, people on the bridge gluing their hands and on all the bridges in, in Vienna making I, me late almost. No. Yeah. I, Let's I don't, talk I, about that because that drives me nuts. Yeah. It, we, we, we like uh, driving uh, David very nuts, but we'll have to get back to that uh, here on Consumer Choice Radio. Uh, let's talk about it. Just Stop Oil, Last Generation, these weirdos who glue themselves to the bridges and to the roads so you can't go somewhere. Uh, we'll talk about that when we're back here on Consumer Choice Radio. We're back here on Consumer Choice Radio. David and I are consumer advocates, if you guys did not know. Uh, we're both at the Consumer Choice Center. We're a 501c4 consumer advocacy group based in the U.S., but uh, very active in Canada, throughout North America, throughout Europe, and many other countries. And, uh, David, we do a good amount of uh, media work, activism, you know. Um, it has never come to my mind, however, to put some uh, super glue on my... Uh, cuticles and on my palms and uh, glue them to the road to stop traffic because I think uh, everybody is um, increasing uh, pollutants in the atmosphere and climate change. Yet uh, we have an entire group of young activists, uh, people a bit younger than us, who are doing that. And uh, I think it's coming to a town near you, by the way. Oh, I hope not. I don't want to be in my car and delayed because some bozo has decided to stop a highway like i I, it's like i mean under no other circumstance would that be legal right if someone was doing that for any other let's say someone just like had a mental break right and was just like stopping traffic in the highway well the police are going to get that person off the road for their safety and for others and it's like, just because you have a banner doesn't mean that the rules don't apply. And that's not to mean that they can't protest. Um, but, and, and this is the thing, it's like everyone who was like, no, 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 trucker convoy, like sh- shut it down right away. And in a lot of senses, I agreed with um, 
with those folks, depending on what we were talking about, bridges and roads in the city and what, like in Ottawa. Um, but then if you want to sit on your hands while people stop major highways, for the most part, just stopping working class people from getting to work, um, then yeah, you're just a huge hypocrite. Just because it's the cause that you may like rather than when you don't, doesn't mean that the rules should be different. And I guess the same would go for conservatives who who really didn't care that, that like bridges were blocked at the border and things like that, uh, but care that eco-activists are trying to do similar things. It's like, well, then you're also a hypocrite. Everyone's hypocrites. I think we've already had an episode titled that. <laughs> what a surprise. Everyone's a hypocrite. Yeah. Uh, definitely true for this and for the activism uh, I mean, it's very similar to these groups. Um, so there's Just Stop Oil is one of these groups. There's another one called Last Generation. Because uh, apparently we're the last generation that will ever see, I, I don't know, polar bears or winter or something. I'm not, I don't know the, uh, the reference. Uh, but they're very active. They also throw paint, uh, petroleum-made paint, on uh, various pieces of art. Uh, they spray buildings. Uh, you know, I, I made this joke with our colleague Fred when we were in D.C., that uh, you know we have a an address there in D.C. and it'd be great to leak it to some of these activists that you know we're we're there in that building activate you know we're trying to advocate for more energy you know and I'd love to have them just show up with huge orange paint all over the building it'd be a free uh, branding and advertising for us would have been great uh, but you know it's mostly a lot of these pukes who are from you know green parties and. Um, believe that the world is going to end. Uh, I think we heard it. And what's the year, David? I don't remember. Was it in 2015? The world will end in 12 years. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're getting, we're getting really close. The doomsday clock says, well, you know, if you have a mortgage, David, you probably shouldn't pay it out if we're all going to be dead. <laughs> well, and that was the fact. I think Greta Thunberg deleted a tweet from like 2015 that said we had eight years to solve this or else like it was going to be apocalypse. <laughs> it's, it's well, they always use the term mass extinction event. You know, it's like we got an asteroid killing the dinosaurs. I mean, I don't, by the way, dinosaurs are oil, but you know, we're not going <laughs> to, we're not going to have, uh, you know, any kind of asteroid and something like that. Things are gradual. Things in nature are gradual. You know, and there are small changes and things are, are strange. By the way, everybody kind of forgot about El Nino. Yeah. Remember this? Yeah. You don't hear much about I talked that. About the, I talked about this with an environmental person, and I'm like, hey, what happened to El Nino? They're like, oh, we're in El Nino right now. I said, you don't say. <laughs> uh, why doesn't anybody talk? I remember growing up, we learned about it, you know, La Nina and El Nino, and you got the warmer water and the way it, you know, spins, and you got weird weather events. And it's like, why doesn't anybody talk about that anymore? Like, well, can you get funding for a paper to write about El Nino? <laughs> I no, don't think so. I don't think so either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you just there's just a lot of funny business across the board because, again, on, on the right, you have people who are like, no, man-made climate change doesn't exist, which I think is just a silly, silly position. And they'll be like, well, it was, I mean, the example, if I'm making that argument, the example would be, well, it was like three degrees overnight and it's almost June. Where's global warming? People do that all the time. And yet we still have the same on the left with every like hot day. They'll be like, see global warming? <laughs> or they'll be like, oh, the forest fires in Alberta. And it's like, 
Okay, hold on. There's a lot of things that go into um, why a forest fire happens. I mean, that was like one of the beginnings of Consumer Choice Radio was Australia. And like oh, yeah, forest Australia management. Burning. Yeah, we both became overnight experts on forest management. Um, and it's like, oh, just laziness all around. It's like whatever we can use to try and prove our point in the laziest way we will. Yeah, I, I I think so. And, you know, with all of this stuff, you have to always think about, you know, what led to those fires? What were the forest management uh, for a lot of these bombastic claims? I'm just a pretty, I don't know, pretty mute to a lot of the bombastic claims about things that will be happening outside the window. Um, you know, we, we and it's really on both sides. Uh, that's why it's very difficult in political campaigns because they say, oh, you know, since uh, this uh it's gotten bad. I mean, the only thing that, that really is before our eyes kind of deteriorated is obviously inflation. <laughs> That's been terrible. <laughs> yeah. uh, the COVID thing was pretty quick. I will say that. Um, you know, we were joking about it. And when we launched the show again, another callback. And uh, pretty soon we're all masked up sitting at home, uh, growing fatter, uh, ordering liquor to our homes. <laughs> and, um, you know, things changed pretty quickly. It was... Uh, liquor to our homes. Yeah. It was... Uh... I think in like years from now, not yet, there'll be they will look back at that with like a little sense of nostalgia. Um, like those early days, the first few months of lockdown, where it's like, what did everybody do? Um, like we 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 would get together with our neighbors on the porch, um, and everyone would have like a drink at five. It was like a little happy hour for us and the neighbors. Which at the time technically was totally illegal. The bylaw officers could have given you a ticket, although we weren't congregating. We were outside and an appropriate distance from each other. Um, yeah, it, we'll look back. I think we'll probably tell like old war stories about. Oh yeah, well when I was uh, <laughs> back in twenty twenty, uh, back in the twenty twenties, there was this thing called COVID, which was a pandemic, and we had to stay in the house well, that for three months. Yeah, it's very similar to the climate lockdowns we had last week. <laughs> oh boy! Uh, I know your future. Uh, yeah, and I, it is true that we'll have scarred a generation for sure. I mean, luckily I w we were not in university or in school or something, because it, it is true a lot of these studies about how the kids are falling behind, and you know, you just had a wasted year. Mm -hmm. A lot of people weren't in school, and if if. DeSantis wanted to make an impact about culture war, whatever, like that should be his principal thing. Like, I don't really care about Disney at no. a federal level. Like, I don't want a president talking about that. <laughs> like, I don't want a president going to do about yeah, it. Yeah, I don't want a president talking about pride merchandise at Target. No, thank you. That 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 serves nobody any good at all. And yeah, just bleh, all around. Boy, that reminds me. I used my uh, sister's Target card uh, every time I would go when we were there because it's just because I know her phone number. And uh, I'd be home and she's like, hey, Harry, did you like that IPA? And I was like, what? <laughs> she's like, yeah, I got it. I got the notification on my app that you got this IPA. I'm like, whoa, okay. Uh, I mean, we all know. Better the, watch what you're buying. You know, I know. We all know what the consumer, <laughs> what are all these condoms? Uh, we know what the 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 consumer loyalty programs are about it's about you know looking at that data and they use that to see okay well there's a lot of a lot of people are buying roast beef this week or you know 
figuring out ways that they can advertise or something like that. But I was, uh, I didn't know it was that quick and efficient that it comes up in the app now. I was uh, unawares yeah, that, that happened. Uh, I thought I would, I, all of that for saving two bucks, by the way. Oh, there you go. Well, you saved some money. <laughs> was it worth it? <laughs> Yeah, well, hey, if you can uh, save two bucks um, on a grocery bill and when you're buying a bunch of stuff, it uh, does help nowadays. Um, so there's that. David, what are you uh, looking forward to for um, the month of June? I don't know. You got any travel plan? You guys do anything fun? We're heading towards the end of the program so we can turn on over to fun hour. Yeah, um, I have uh, my first triathlon of the season. I have two scheduled for the summer. And so next Sunday, I will be... Uh, doing what is technically a sprint triathlon uh, on uh, on Sunday and then I have another one in Toronto the following month so preparing for that preparing for the grind very cool nice triathlons yeah what about you what do you got going on what's going on in your neck of the woods <laughs> um, not much I do have um, I'll have a conference in Prague in a couple of weeks um, it could be a nice little um Bitcoin thing. Invest in Bitcoin. Thanks, Trudeau. Uh, so I'll be, uh, I'll actually be driving to Prague. So I, I love doing these European trips. Uh, unfortunately, um, there are no KFCs on the highway on the Austrian side. But once I hit the Czech Republic, I can get my secret herbs and spices um, on the highway. They've got a lot of KFCs Wait, out there. There's no KFC in that. Austria. Oh, there are KFCs, but they, they're not any drive-throughs. Uh, nor are they at you know, sort of gas stations or, you know, normally where you have your highway exits and stuff. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It is a It is just prime McDonald's real estate. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and that's about it. I don't have much uh, much else. I'm uh, going to try to enjoy um, some of the some of the summer um, a little bit in, in Vienna, go to the swimming pools and, and all the rest. But, uh, yeah, trying to cut down on traveling, you know, because I, they banned the short haul flights, you know, so I got to <laughs> can't do much. We go around. No, oh, but yeah, but I hope you guys will be traveling uh, throughout the summer and enjoying it. Uh, hopefully you won't have as many frustrations. Uh, by the way, if you have not renewed your passport, uh, you should probably do that. I've uh, also been hearing of problems in the U.S. Uh, for the State Department stuff that a lot of people are having uh, many delays in getting their, their passports renewed. Yep. Uh, but David, you did get yours renewed. You're all good, right? I did. Um, yeah, we we went through the whole process, um, so that's good. It's taken care of. Not gonna have to deal with that for a while. Um, yeah, but it was a nightmare for a while. That was that was a long, long day. Long, long day. I don't well, look, wish that on anybody. Well, you know, you know what you got out of it is you got a brand new camping chair you had to buy to bring to the office to sit outside <laughs> i was ready to bring like a little hibachi grill and just start like grilling in the morning little breakfast sausages on the hibachi it would have been great i will say that is the one time that is it is appropriate to have one of these coolers with an integrated speaker and usb plug yeah um i always question when was the time to have one of these uh, that's the i don't time. know you go camping a bit more than i yeah, do yeah yeah but just turn it, turn, turn waiting in the passport line into like a nice old tailgate. Hey, what are you tailgating for? Is uh, are you here for the Blue Jays? Yeah. It's like, oh, no, no, just got, you know, a residency appointment. Yeah, I just wait for my, my driver's license. Yeah. There we go. Got another government document I got to work on. Um, yeah. 
Well, uh, that'll be the norm. Actually, that would be a great video campaign of like how long it takes to get certain government services. And you just go there with the camera crew and the grill and like a cooler full of beers. And you just set like a little block party up at each like long wait. <laughs> Turn that into a nice little YouTube video. <laughs> Ooh, nice little YouTube video. Yeah. Yeah, I think you can do that. I, I'm, I would wonder which government office is uh, kind of the worst for that. Um, but of course, you could do it at the in the Canadian hospitals. I don't know how long. Oh, that well, no. I mean, Canadian waiting room. Yeah, that needs like a tent and overnight gear. That's uh, that's a long, long wait. That's not. That's probably not going to happen. That's technically squatting. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't worry. You won't have to wait too long until the next episode of Consumer Choice Radio. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening on Saga 960 AM, Coastal Carolina Network, and right there in your podcast feed. We'll be back next week for more. Uh, it'll be uh, episode 175 next week, David. Ooh, All the best to you. Awesome. Till next week. <laughs>